You are listening to Stories from the Heart, inspiring tales of life, love, and learning, presented by the Camarillo Healthcare District. In this episode, Christine Justin of Oxnard, California, shares a story about her journey as a reluctant caregiver and how she came to forgive her estranged husband while taking care of him after his cancer diagnosis and eventual passing. In early 2003, I was living in Australia and separated from my husband, Travis. After learning he had cancer, though, I decided to return to California and become his caregiver. But let me take you back to 1959, when a judge told Travis, when he was not quite 17 years old, that it was the military or reform school for him. Travis was so excited at the thought of getting away from this small town he lived in, and when testing to get into the Navy, Travis found out he had the highest score ever recorded in in Oklahoma. They immediately put him into officer's candidate school and educated him at Purdue University as a nuclear engineer. They wanted him for the space program, but he chose to become a jet fighter pilot. He had a photographic memory and was a member of Mensa, a social club for people with IQs in the 98 or higher percentile. He only ever went to one meeting though because he found the people very boring, so he never went back. Retiring from the Navy after 26 years, he went to law school. He passed cum laude, including the bar, in less than two years. Before graduating, while he was doing an internship at a local attorney's office, he single-handedly got a Mexican immigrant worker off a drug-related murder charge and eventually found evidence that helped convict the real perpetrator. Once after a client of his was charged and convicted with driving under the influence, five members of the jury and the court-martial asked him for his card because he was so inventive and clever during the trial. That is why I fell in love with this brilliant and compassionate man. After we were married for a time though, his behavior started to become erratic and he became verbally abusive to me. I thought it might be due to him turning 50 as I knew men did not hit this milestone very easily. But when he would not allow me to work outside the home and wouldn't even allow me to go shopping for myself, I started to become resentful. This was not what I had signed up for. Once after returning from a trip to Australia, his secretary told me that she was upset with him because he had, that she had to take dozens of his vodka and wine bottles out of the home and his office before my return. She said he had a drinking problem and he should do something about it. Why had I not seen this? Those tall glasses of orange juice that he drank constantly were obviously laced with vodka. So after eight years, I had had enough and I decided to leave him. My mother was turning 80 and in the guise of a short trip home uh, for her birthday celebration, I went back to Australia. After spending time with my mother, I decided to get a job and stay permanently. I found a position managing a dress shop and I found a place to live. Travis was not pleased, of course, and never stopped calling and emailing me, but I held out and I slowly started to heal. His best friend Richard would also email me and tell me that I should go back to Travis. 
I kept asking Travis for a divorce, saying I wanted nothing from him, but he kept holding out and saying, no, one day I would return to him. I loved my new life back in Australia, and I met up with old friends and I made some new ones, and I started to feel like my old self again. One day Richard wrote and told me he thought Travis had cancer. He said that Travis did not want to tell me. I immediately thought that this was another ploy to get me back. I decided to call Travis to see if he said anything. When I said goodbye and I was about to hang up, he told me that he had a doctor's appointment the next day as he suspected he had cancer. I told him to keep me updated on what was going on. After a week, Travis called me and told me that he had stage four cancer. He had squamous cell carcinoma and had to have a very delicate operation to remove a tumor that was wrapped around a muscle in his neck. I asked him, was he okay? I heard him crying. I'd never seen him cry. There's no crying in the Navy, especially with high-ranking officers. I asked him what he was going to do. He said he didn't know. His family were all in Oklahoma and I knew he must have felt so alone. With Travis's words ringing in my ears that one day I would go back to him, I asked him for his doctor's name and phone number as I wanted to call him. After calling Travis's oncologist and him telling me that Travis did indeed have cancer and that he probably had three to four months to live, I gave my notice at the, the dress shop and my apartment and I left for California. I was nervous about seeing Travis, but so excited to see my beautiful Maltese dogs, Billy and Princess, again. I had missed my babies every day since leaving them. Travis had always hated surprises, so I, it crossed my mind that this was an opportunity for him to clean up his act and get getting right with things and people before he passed. There were things between us for sure, but he always had a tenuous relationship with his daughter. He would need my help in many ways, I thought, and after all, we were still married. The operation went well, and I became a full-time caregiver to him taking him to doctor's appointments, his chemo and proton treatments. I saw to his wounds and administered and ordered his medications. Once a week, we would get up at four in the morning and I would drive us from the high desert to San Diego to the courthouse so that he could work on traffic court. I kept the house clean and tidy and saw to its living creatures. As I was away for so long, the house was really needing some tender, loving care. So I painted rooms, reupholstered furniture, and tried to get it looking good again. The garden was also a mess, and it wasn't. And when it wasn't too hot, I would go outside and worked on that too. The three to four months with Travis turned into three and a half years. Travis's drinking and verbal abuse to me was totally out of hand. During this time, I developed panic attacks for the first time in my life. My heart would race to the point I thought it was going to burst. I would have a million butterflies in my stomach. It was terrifying. The attacks became debilitating. Caregiving was the hardest thing I had ever done. The lack of sleep was also a big part of my stress. And not having any outside support around me was unbearable but to watch this once brilliant man waste away 
and when his cancer reached his brain, it was terrible. I had to tell well-meaning friends to stop asking him to write legal letters for them, as it would take him a day or two to do now, and it would frustrate him, whereas before it would take him 20 minutes. They thought they were helping him. I remember one day when I was in the shower feeling exhausted and crying. My mum called, and I was telling her that I could not go on anymore. I told her I was fed up and desperate. She told me I could do it and I should get out of the shower and make a cup of tea. <sighs> Got no sympathy from her. I had never felt so alone. In all that time I was looking after him, I had not had a manicure, pedicure, my hair cut, and my hair was now turning gray. To be totally honest, I prayed to God that he would take me because I could no longer stay the course. A couple of weeks before Travis died, I found out from Richard that he had not sent any emails to me, including the one from Travis saying he had cancer. He had found out that it was Travis who sent them using his computer. He told Travis that he had better come clean to me or, and tell me what he had done or he was going to tell me himself. When I found this out, I was furious. It was like a knife to my stomach. It made me mad that once again, Travis manipulated the situation like he had many times in our 14 year marriage. I waited for Travis to tell me, but he said nothing. At this point in time, saying something wasn't going to change anything. He was who he was. He still blamed his daughter for their bad relationship. He still made me wrong for everything. Like it was my fault he didn't have peace in his life. I knew that no matter what I said to him, at this point it would not make any difference and after all he was close to death and he had enough to deal with. I decided to forgive Travis. It took almost 15 years and I admit it wasn't easy. I do believe I did my very best to serve him and I truly did wish he finally found peace. Thank you for listening to Stories from the Heart inspiring tales of life, love, and learning, presented by the Camarillo Healthcare District. If you would like to share your story, please visit www.camhealth.com and fill out our form under Share Your Story. You will work with a storytelling coach to fine-tune your story for broadcast. We are looking for people to share health or caregiving journeys, to talk about personal experience, moments in time, and lessons learned while navigating life. These life stories will paint a visual picture with words. They should be five to 10 minutes long and must be primarily about the storyteller and their truths, experiences, and emotions.